We are actually finishing up this morning our sermon series on conversations with Jesus. And our last conversation that we're going to look at is found in Matthew chapter 15, uh, beginning with verse 21, Jesus' conversation with a Canaanite woman. Uh, you can find that in your pew Bibles. Uh, anybody have a page number for Matthew 15? 982, right? Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. Listen again to our word, to God's word to us. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. This too is word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our sermon this morning has three points. Uh, in this conversation, in this scene from Jesus' life, we are, there are three speaking parts in this conversation. Each speaking part has a message a point for us today. You could say that we have three uh, sermons today, one sermon for each of the speaking parts in our conversation. But I thought it would sound better if you thought you were healing one sermon with, with three parts as opposed to three sermons. So let's begin with the first part, this first sermon. Let's begin with Jesus, right? What is going on with him in this story, in this conversation? From this sermon series, we have learned about the compassion of Jesus, particularly his concern for, for women, for the outcast, for those who are most vulnerable, who are suffering. And yet, in this conversation, Jesus ignores this woman. He is silent when she is shouting, imploring him to have mercy on her and to heal her daughter, who is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Eventually, he speaks in what sounds like a rather cruel rebuke, calling this woman a dog. Eventually, he does heal the girl, but only when he had been bested by the wittiness of this woman. What's going on with Jesus? I want to suggest that we see in this conversation the full humanity of Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, we just confessed. He is fully divine and... We believe that he is fully human. Jesus lives for us the life of what it means to be fully human. He lived the life that God intended for humanity. He gives us an example of how we are to live faithfully in this world. And this conversation reveals his humanity and gives us insight then in how we are to live. 
To understand Jesus in this conversation, it is important to pay attention to the geographical context of this conversation. Verse 21 tells us that Jesus and his disciples were in the region of Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon were pagan cities uh, on the coast of the Mediterranean who were notorious in the Old Testament for their idolatry, for their wealth, for their pagan worship. If you remember the story about wicked King Ahab and his terrible queen Jezebel, right? Jezebel was a daughter of the king of Sidon. And for Jesus and his disciples then to travel to Tyre and Sidon was to go to a place that was hostile, that was dangerous for a good Jew. Why did he go there? Matthew doesn't tell us, but in Mark's version of this conversation, uh, in Mark 7, we are told that Jesus went into a house there and didn't want anyone to know that he was there. Jesus and his disciples went to Tyre and Sidon for a vacation, for a retreat. They needed a break. Jesus, in his humanity, needed some time away from the constant demand of the people around him. It'd be like if someone offered to Jesus cheap flights and a free hotel room in Las Vegas, right? They didn't go there to see the sights, but to take some rest. And so when this woman comes up and starts shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus does not respond. He does not answer her at all. Could it be that Jesus was too tired? Could it be that Jesus was exhausted and had no energy for this woman? I suspect we have all experienced this, right? Maybe you have had a long day and finally at the end you get to sit down, you, you pick up the remote to see what game you might be able to watch or what episode has recently dropped that you've been wanting to watch and your phone rings, right? Who is calling me? And you look and you see, ah, oh, no, it's the pastor, right? <laughs> what does he want? What wonderful volunteer opportunity does he want me to do now, right? And like Jesus, we don't answer. Now, does this make Jesus too human? Maybe, but there's more going on here. They are entire in Sidon, in Gentile country. When Jesus finally does respond, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus doesn't respond because he knows what his mission is. His mission is not to the Gentiles. It is to the Jews. He knows his Old Testament. He knows that this good news of God's kingdom will be shared with the Gentiles, but not now, not by him. This is not his job. So he ignores her. So when asked, he explains that he is not called to show God's kingdom to the Gentiles. And when she asks again, he responds with what sounds to us like a harsh response. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. This is a harsh response. It is not as harsh as it could have been. The Greek word for dogs here is the word used to describe a house dog as opposed to a street dog. But we hear in this response Jesus' sense of his own humanity, of his own finiteness. I only have so much bread, and if I give it to this woman, I will have nothing left for the Jewish people I've been called to feed. This conversation is important for us because in his weakness and fatigue, 
Jesus is teaching us how to discern what is God's will for us. How do we know what we are to say yes to and what we can say no to? We get a glimpse here of Jesus' decision-making process. Based on Scripture, he has an understanding of what his calling is to feed and care for the lost sheep of Israel. He has an understanding of how the mission to the Gentiles will happen, not through him, but through the church. So he knows when he comes to Tyre and Sidon, it is not in order to grow the ministry. Whenever we are asked to, do some, to make a decision about doing something, we start with this question. Does it fit with what I understand Scripture tells me of what I'm called to do? Does it fit with what God has revealed to me of what I'm called to do? Sometimes this is easy. If you were to call me and say you were having some car troubles, would I come over and take a look at your car for you? Now, I'm a reasonably intelligent person. And I suspect if I watched enough YouTube videos, that I'd be able to tell the difference between a carburetor and a transmission, right? But coming and trying to figure out how to fix your car doesn't really fit with my understanding of God's call on my life. I might be called to call Mike Kite or Roger Ibest, because they can fix just about anything I've learned. But if I did, how would Mike or Roger know if they should respond to this request? If they have the ability, does that mean they should always say yes? Looking at Jesus' life, it would seem that he normally said yes in response to the needs of those around him. But here, here he is exhausted. Here in this conversation, he has no more bread to give. He has retreated so he'll have more to give But then something else happens. In essence, he says, I got no bread left, and whatever I have needs to go to feed the children of Israel, not to the Gentile dogs. And then comes the surprise, right? There's a surprise to Jesus and a surprise to us. This Canaanite pagan woman says, I understand that you've got no bread, and I accept the fact that I'm just a Gentile dog, but even the dogs had to clean up the crumbs under the table. Jesus, all I need is a crumb from you, and my daughter will be delivered. It's interesting, this story comes between the feeding of the 5,000 in chapter 14 and the feeding of the 4,000 in the end of chapter 15. Jesus is being reminded what his disciples are slow to learn. All God needs from us is just a few crumbs. And at this, Jesus comes alive, if you will, when the disciples told Jesus to send her away. We read in verse 24, Jesus answered. And when the woman comes and kneels before him and asks him again, we read in verse 26, Jesus answered. It is as if he is not answering to anyone. He is having his own conversation. But when the woman cries out in faith to Jesus for just a crumb, we are told in verse 28, he answered her. He addresses her. He sees her. And more importantly, he sees the Holy Spirit at work in her. He sees her great faith and recognizes that the Holy Spirit is doing something here, doing something in her. And he follows the Holy Spirit and agrees to heal her daughter. So for us, we discern God's leading in our lives according to the scriptures. Does it agree with what the scriptures say about who we are and what we are to be doing? And then, does it fit with what we have learned so far about who God has called me to be? a pastor, not an auto mechanic. And then we need to keep our eyes and ears open 
to the Holy Spirit and join what the Holy Spirit is already doing. Because if the Holy Spirit is working, then our crumbs are enough. If the Holy Spirit is moving, then it might be difficult work, but it will bear fruit. I wonder if, if you can give testimony to this. Have you experienced times in your life when you saw the Holy Spirit at work and you joined in and experienced the joy and the life of being used in powerful ways? It is like sailing, right? When the Spirit is blowing, it's a matter of putting up a sail and catching it. That's our first sermon. And I promise sermons, sermons two and three will be shorter. Sermon number two is to look at this conversation from the perspective of the disciples. They have only one line in this conversation, but it is revealing. The woman keeps crying out. She keeps shouting right? too loud. She's being much too loud, and Jesus is not responding. So finally the disciples say, send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. And this second sermon is a warning to us, because I wonder, are there times when we function like the disciples? Are there times when we are more concerned with keeping people from Jesus than we are in bringing people to him? Because people are too loud, because they are too needy, because we don't know what to do with them? Do you want to have our own private time, just me and Jesus, and this woman is getting in the way of that? Do we communicate to those outside the church, Jesus is for us and not for you? What if instead of telling Jesus to send her away, and notice they are telling Jesus, not asking Jesus, what if they had turned to Jesus and said, Lord, is there something that you would like for us to do for this person? The point of sermon number two is for us to be attentive to our own tendency to become an obstacle to people coming to Jesus instead of a bridge to Jesus. And then our third sermon this morning is to look at this conversation from the perspective of the Canaanite woman. Jesus commends her for her great faith. What can we learn about the kind of faith that catches Jesus' eye, that pleases him? Notice that she came to Jesus knowing something about him. She addresses him as Lord, Son of David. She uses the Gentile title of Lord and the Jewish Messianic title of Son of David. Somehow she had heard about Jesus. What she had heard caused her to believe that he could free her daughter from this demon and that he would be willing to do so. And she clings steadfastly to this faith despite many obstacles. When she first approaches Jesus, Jesus says nothing, right? And one could interpret this as Jesus' indifference. One could have interpreted it as Jewish exclusivity, wanting nothing to do with the Gentile. And she could have walked away, coming to the conclusion that he could not or would not help her. But instead, she clings to this good report she had heard about him. She took solace that his silence was not a verbal rejection. She didn't say no, even if he hadn't said yes yet. And when his disciples tell him to send her away, she doesn't sheepishly walk away, embarrassed that they found her a bother. And when Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, she is emboldened because he did not do what his disciples said to do. 
they said, send her away, and he doesn't send her away. He makes this comment that may not be encouraging, but he does not send her away. He begins a conversation explaining his purpose. And so she comes closer and kneels before him and prays a simple but beautiful prayer. Lord, help me. Help me. Even then, Jesus does not seem to encourage her when he says it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. But even in this response, she does not hear a no. He doesn't say, you are a dog and I won't give you any bread at all. He says it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Her faith does not hear a no even in this. What she hears is that I'm a dog inside the house. I am in the master's house. And so she responds, yes, it might not be right to toss the children's bread to the dogs, but it is right to let the dogs eat the crumbs under the table. Martin Luther, in his sermon on this text, says that we should learn from this woman and we should capture God in his own judgment, he says, and say, yes, Lord, it is true. I'm a sinner and not worthy of your grace. Yet you have promised pardon to sinners and you do not come to call the righteous, but as St. Paul also says, to save sinners. Beloved, there is much in our lives that would suggest that Jesus will not help us. We are condemned by our own consciences. We are condemned by people around us who are more than willing to point out our faults. And there are times when Jesus himself is silent and seems uninterested. But we have heard a report. Here is one who can set us free. Here's one who can set my daughter, my son free. Here's one who is mighty to save. Do not be discouraged. Cling to hope. Cling to faith in this good report. Acknowledge the condemnation of your conscience Yes, I'm a dog, but a dog in the master's house. I'm not worthy to be called your son, your daughter, but I believe the report. I believe the report that you are God's son. You are God's daughter, and he will place his robe on you. He'll place his ring on your finger, and even now he is preparing a feast for you. Whatever you are facing today that makes you wonder if that were true, Cling in faith. All we need are his crumbs. And he has much more than crumbs for us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you might give us great faith that clings to you and to your promises despite what our eyes may see, despite what evidence may be brought against us, that we cling in faith, that we belong to you, indeed that nothing, no one can snatch us from your hand. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.